Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined by Dave Simone. And Dave, it's football season. It is. We are uh, Team Limus 49 hours and change from football. I know. Which makes me very happy. I know nobody is more excited than you. We will uh, be doing previews of every game on the podcast uh, throughout the season. I will also be having uh, an ana- analytical look at the uh, opponent in written form from Austin Gale. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I think that should be uh, a good feature as we uh, we get into the meat and, meat and potatoes of things uh, starting next week with Michigan. So um, looking forward to Austin providing that. We will, uh, When we can, we will have a guest on this show previewing the opponent um didn't have one this week it's austin p they've lost 27 games in a row so dave and i are going to talk about it although dave uh, as we get this bad boy started when you look at the roster they've they've infused a little bit of talent some transfers from a couple power five programs uh they they hit the juco route hard and they've got some guys that look like uh because they're they're uh championship series instead of uh whatever or they're they're what the hell is it yes you, you had it right yeah. they're bcs instead of or fcs instead yeah. of fbs um they they've they, the kids can come in and play right away so they've given themselves a little bit of uh talent infusion on the roster but uh, this is a game, let's not beat around the bush, this is a game that Cincinnati should win fairly easy to kick off the Luke Fickle era. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, I think Austin P is going to be a run-heavy team. Some of their best offensive players are running backs, and you couple that with a quarterback situation that seems a little bit unsettled, not necessarily because of poor play, but... Uh, the incumbent starter, the projected starter in the spring has now become the dual starter, I guess, because of a freshman that's come in and played pretty well. So I would anticipate seeing two quarterbacks uh, on Thursday night. I believe the freshman is more of a running quarterback, but showed some... Some good passing skills in fall camp for the two-time, I think he's from Nashville, two-time Tennessee State champion. So, but, you know, like we've talked about, this team has been bad. They're all of a sudden not going to be very good. And UC should dominate them on both lines of scrimmage if they're expected to have any sort of successful season yeah and, i mean they they got a little bit of a tough start in miami of ohio next week before getting into their fcs um portion of their schedule um you know it's it, it, it's hard to to really break down a team like this though because it sounds like there's going to be a lot of, of turnover from what they had last year. I don't think, you know, you're really going to know a whole lot about what they can do. And, they, and there probably should be a lot of turnover from last year. They didn't win a game. So, you know, they're going to want to shake things up and, and maybe, you know, give some different looks and, and be uh, 
a different animal than put on the field last year, but did hang with Kentucky for a little bit last year in their opening game of the season. And they have, like I said, added a couple guys that, you know, come from um, bigger name programs that, that should give them better talent level than what they've had. But um, offensively, if this Cincinnati defense is going to be as good as, you know, some think it can be, it, it, they've got to completely take this Austin P offense out of what it wants to do. Right. I mean, it, it should be a dominating performance, especially from the front seven. If, you know, you consider who's available, who's coming back, and the type of, of team you're going up against. So I would expect that to be kind of where the biggest advantage is for UC. And that's probably the thing I'll be just looking forward to the most is even against a team that would be outmanned, you know, what kind of line play do we get from the offensive line, uh, pass protecting and run blocking along with what kind of pressure do we see from the defensive line? We feel like there's the talent available. Um, but again, like we've kind of talked about all summer, a lot of these guys are in that need to see it category. So I need to see the defensive ends, Brian Wright, Kevin Muhan, Kamoni Fitz, Mark Wilson, whoever it might be. I need to see him make some plays because we just, there's not a lot of tape out there of them doing it. So against any competition is good for confidence is good for uh, building for the rest of the season. Well, and I, and I haven't seen a depth chart from Austin P, but I would have to think uh, Charles Mosley and Kyle Anderton are going to be playing heavy minutes. They're, they're you know, Charles Mosley, a name you know, I would think, is a transfer yep. from Tennessee, and then Kyle Anderton, a transfer from Vanderbilt. Um, so they've got two Power 5 guys on the offensive line that, are, you know, should at least give the uh, the Cincinnati defense a little bit of a challenge. And then one of the Power Five transfers is Trey Nation, uh, running back from uh, Alabama that played for Illinois, who was a sophomore. Um, so you mentioned the running game and, and them relying heavily on that, and that, you know, that will probably be a, a big reason why uh, for those guys right there. And then um, as we, we turn the tide to their defense, they've got a uh, – a defensive lineman that was at Oregon, a defensive end from Western Kentucky, and a linebacker from Western Kentucky. So, uh, again, they, they've got a little bit of talent from the higher levels sprinkled in, uh, along with some junior college transfers. But the Cincinnati offense, we're awaiting to see what a Mike Denbrock offense looks like. We, we know now that Hayden Moore has been named the starter uh, for Cincinnati at quarterback. Um, I, I need to see something from this offense. I need to see some some big playability. I need to see some explosiveness. I need to see them being ready to attack and and put it on somebody else, even if it is a lower level opponent. For sure, um, I'm looking for you know crispness. Uh, you know, lack of penalties, lack of turnovers, calling timeouts to avoid delay of games, just things like that. And then, you know, what kind of packages are they going to run? What kind of, you know, 
how many guys are going to get in there? Are we going to see a lot of three wide, four wide? Is it going to be a lot of two tight ends? It's just it's all very interesting to me, just because it's all brand new. Yeah, we've uh, we've seen some of it, but obviously in the stuff that we've seen, they're not going to put a whole lot out, and they probably won't put a whole lot out in this game either. You know, it's interesting that you talk about the two tight end thing. Uh, I'm curious to see how they use that because I do think that I do I do while young and inexperienced can be a strength for this team. Um, I like Tyler Cogswell. I think he's he's probably had the best year of his career. I, I really like what I've seen from Josiah Deguara. Deguara, sorry, he's um, in in his ability to get open and make plays. But if you go two tight ends, what's the wide receiver combination with that? Are, are you going without Khalil Lewis, who I think if I was giving MVP for the offense, I would give the MVP so far to Khalil Lewis throughout camp? Um, or do you go Lewis and Devin Gray? And then, then you've got three basically inside guys, uh, which makes it an interesting combination on, you know, route trees and – and, and what the play design is going to look like. Um, I, I th- that's one thing I think if they go to that 12 personnel, it'll be interesting to see what's out there and, and how they use that. I, I agree. I just think everything offensively is, is something to watch, whether it's the offensive line, the quarterback play, Mike Boone, can he get back to 2015 form? You know, how do the wide receivers look? Do they throw the tight ends more? How many carries does Jared Dokes and Mike Warren get? I mean, it's it, you could really, you know, have a lot of just time spent just offensively. Um, and I don't know how great of a idea we'll get in this first game, just depending on how things go. But you'll get a. I mean, I think we'll still get a little bit of a sense of what we can expect for for the season. Um, defensively, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I just, my main thing is seeing how the uh, defensive line does, obviously, and then just uh, with Terrell Gilbert and Perry at linebacker and kind of the defensive backfield without Alex Thomas and, you know, what they can do this year with uh, teams like they're playing more press, which definitely, I would say, benefits the style of play Landon Stevens likes to play. I think it helped Grant, Grant Coleman, too, because I think Coleman is a guy, he's got longer arms. I think it, it benefits him to to reroute a guy at the line of scrimmage as opposed to, you know, we've, we've seen a couple years of, of guys getting on him and having a free run, and that hasn't always gone so well. So I do I think it, it helps London Stevens as well, and it'll be interesting to see how much they use David Pierce um, as, you know, using that nickel package where, uh, from what we've seen when they use the nickel package, then Coleman goes inside and David Pierce goes outside and, and takes Coleman's outside spot. Um, you know, you've got three senior cornerbacks there, and uh, you would like to think you've got three experienced guys. Those three guys could, could lead that position group and make it a strength. For sure. Um, I'm not sure how much they'll get tested in a game like this, Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but, it's you know, it's still going to be interesting to watch. The first game is always – interesting i feel like no matter who you're playing especially because this season because it looks like you know so far it's everything has been such a contrast 
to what we saw last year. Now, that doesn't necessarily automatically translate to games and to wins, but, you know, if the things that we've seen and talked about since December do translate, you're going to, you should see a quite a different team all the way around. One would most certainly hope so. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, in, in watching practice, there definitely is um, more attention to detail. Uh, The part that we haven't hit on yet, and I think is going to be a big key to the success of this team is special teams who handles the kickoffs um, is uh, Andrew Gantz's leg back to 100% where you can count on him if you've got a 53-yard field goal that you need kicked. Um, I've seen him be a little inconsistent in the longer ranges so far, and some of that is to be expected because he hasn't really kicked in a year, um, and you have to to get that back with repetition. Uh, I think he got better as camp went on. Um, would you know would have a, an off day here and there, but for the most part, he started to look like Andrew Gantz again as we got towards the back end of camp. Now, obviously, being game week um, and being a Thursday game, we don't have any media access to practice throughout the week. But you know that that's what does James Smith look like, the Australian punter who's a freshman who you know they basically led a, a senior punter that had some equity. Uh, had some some reps and some game experience that they let go, and they, they believe in James Smith. What does he look like in the punting game? Uh, I, I think his leg has looked really good so far. Um, he, he gets a lot of hang time. He gets good distance. Um, I've been impressed with what I've seen from him, but you never know until the lights come on. This is a kid that's never played football. Now he's he's played some rugby, and he does have professional experience there, so – I don't think it's a situation where this, you know, things are going to be too big for him, but you don't know until you see it. And then who's going to be the return guys? That's another one that they've, you know, they've bounced a lot of guys through there uh, between Mike Boone and Devin Gray. And um, I've seen Thomas Geddes uh, on kickoff get a little bit of action. We've seen Javon Hawes and Noah Hamlin, two freshmen back there, uh, taking some reps. So, there's a lot of just as many unknowns in special teams. And what is punt and kick return coverage going to look like? How much better are they going to be there? They ought to be better there, though, Dave, because they spend a ridiculous amount of time. I don't want to say ridiculous, but they spend a lot of time working on coverage on both kicks and punts. Uh, and the detail that they put into those groups is really unlike anything I've ever seen uh, in terms of the reps and, and the way that those guys are trained. So, special teams better be improved because they've spent a lot of time on it and it's been a focus. Well, yeah, I mean, they have to be improved. They can't, they couldn't be any worse. And even if they're marginally improved, that's probably quite a bit better just based on how bad things have been. Um, Did they not give out a depth chart today? I didn't see one. I didn't expect them to. Okay, I just wasn't sure uh, with things like Kick and punt return might have been on there, which I assume if they had given one out, he would have mentioned that. But, uh, yeah, again, all interesting little nuances to the first game when you have a new staff who spent the time that they've spent on special teams. Um, you know, I totally agree with Coach Fickle when he talks about 
you know, excellent special teams play can be worth three wins a season. And, you know, that's assuming the rest of your team, you know, last year it wouldn't have mattered how great special teams was because the offense couldn't Stunk. score. <laughs> so, <laughs> so assuming everything else is, you know, okay, yeah, then special teams can definitely help you out. And I, it'll be interesting to see just – Here we go. I do have one. Who, who, who they play on special teams because he comes – from a system and a school where you can play a bunch of starters because you have a bunch of depth and they don't really have that right now. So do we see more freshmen? Do we see more backups? Do we still see some starters, uh, but maybe not as many as they would like to play in two or three years. So all parts of, of kind of watching the game inside the game. And I think you can get a good look at that type of stuff when you're playing a team that you shouldn't really have much problem beating. I do have a depth chart. Oh, you do? Yeah. It was buried way deep into the thing, so I, I must have glanced over it. Uh, Devin Gray, Thomas Geddes, Khalil Lewis, Tyrell Gilbert listed on kick return. Punt return is Gray and Lewis. So, four oars and an and an oar. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Which I think Georgia Tech set the record for Oars today. They had, I saw their depth chart for quarterback had a name and then three Oars. So get ready for four quarterbacks when you play Georgia Tech. There's not a whole lot of Oars on here. That's good. You got Niehaus or Campbell at that center. You've got Muhan and Fitz at one defensive end, and then Wright and Wilson at the other defensive end, which I think all four of those guys are interchangeable. Um, you're gonna yeah, they'll just, I mean, they'll just rotate snaps. That's less of an or. It's just, a, you know, they're all well, going to play roughly probably the same number of snaps, just no matter who's on the field when. Yeah, I think the or is in that it doesn't really matter on any of those guys who starts, quote-unquote, and who doesn't. No. Um, Jarrell White or Ty Sponseller as the second team strong side linebacker. Not a surprise there. We have seen Jarrell White get a ton of reps. Um, and that's it. No more oars. All right. Just looking through, seeing if there's any changes that jump out at me since this is the first I've gotten a look at this thing. And it, it looks pretty much exactly like what we've – been saying the entire time through camp. Um, yeah. I don't see any surprises. Uh, All right. Ryan Jones is uh, going to be doing kickoffs again this year. Um, that's the one that, that there had been some question about, and Paisley is his backup. So they are not going to use Gantz, I don't think, at all on kickoffs unless there's catastrophe, which. I, I wouldn't call. think you would need to do that myself. Right. I don't see any any point in going that route with Gantz if you don't absolutely have to. And if you've got two other guys, I thought Ryan Jones did a pretty good job on kickoffs last year, all things considered. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it's interesting the way that kind of Bill Belichick, I think, is the one that really started doing this, has changed the uh, philosophy on kickoffs. And for the longest time, you were just trying to get it into the end zone and you didn't want to return. And a lot of the strategy now is 
get it up high, drop it at like the two-yard line, and the feeling is we can stop you long before the 25. Uh, which is mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely the play because I think, especially in college, the more the guys try to get it to the end zone, the less hang time it has. It's more of a line drive. Yeah. So if the, if the return man can catch it cleanly, your guys are only, you know, 20, 25, 30 yards down the field by the time they catch it versus if you kick up five, seven yards shorter of that, you know, you're, you have a better chance of covering the kick. Cause they're still probably going to return it even if you barely get into the end zone because you're still so far away from from uh, the returner. But I think I think uh, the Bearcats should have a good night Thursday night. Hopefully it's a uh, injury-free night. Very do, you, so. do you have any predictions? Um, in terms of what? I don't know, anything. Score, players that have a good game, defensive touchdowns, number of sacks, beers that I drink. Uh, uh, anything. Uh, beers, I'm setting the over-under at 10.5, and, and I think I'm going over. It's, uh, it's probably a safe bet. <laughs> You're 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 tailgating early to the this this. The weather is good. Seems like it will be good beer drinking weather. Uh, we will be tailgating with plenty of time to lubricate, and uh, hopefully, lots of touchdowns means more time to drink beer. <laughs> the game lasts longer. There will be a, a host of football recruits there, including Chris Oates and uh, the commits. Yep, Malik Van and. Uh, Josh Wiley and Blake Basevich and all the local guys will be there. Um, the, the, the basketball news I dropped today, uh, Logan Johnson, the point guard from California, six foot two, uh, is the younger brother of Tyler Johnson, who plays with the Miami Heat. Um, he will be in attendance. You talk about late bloomer. Um, Tyler Johnson was actually a walk-on in, in college early in his career. He was and worked to the point that he earned a scholarship and eventually found his way to the NBA. So I think uh, in terms of what they're looking for, uh, I think Logan Johnson would be a very good fit at point guard for this program. They get him uh, and his parents, I believe, on campus uh, Thursday and Friday. So we'll have plenty of information on that. Uh, What are you looking for? You got any predictions? I'm going to go 55-10. For the score. Okay. I'm going to go Mike Boone and Mike Warren both rush for over 100 yards. I could get behind that. I'm going to go one defensive touchdown. Via interception or fumble return? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not, I don't know. I'm just going to say one defensive touchdown. I, I, I would lean towards fumble recovery because I just don't think they're going to throw the ball that much. Yeah, true. Especially if they get down, they'll just run the ball and try to get the game over with. True. Um, and I'm going to go over three and a half sacks. I like it. For the defense. Any any guys you think are going to be the, the leaders of, of that charge? Uh, I think Brian Wright might have a double sack game, two sacks. I'm, I'm not... 
I'm not against that. If, if I was picking a guy that I thought was most improved on defense, it would be Brian Wright. Throughout and I think Jarrell White will have a sack. Ooh. He hasn't been a big sack guy yet, though. I mean, that's 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 going out on a limb. He, he has not been a guy that they've used to blitz much yet. That's uh, what predictions are for. I know. I'm just I'm I'm I'm, I'm praising you for your uh, going out on a limb on that one. Uh, I'll go. I, I think Gilbert will get one. I like what I've seen from him blitzing off the edge when they've done it. Um. I could definitely see Wright getting one, and then I think one of the inside guys, either either Broughton or Copeland, is is certainly going to get one because those guys. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see that. I don't think a uh, one double A line is going to really hold up well to a uh, to a heavy dose of those guys. No, I don't think so either. You know, I was I was just glancing over the depth chart. What did I do with it? There we go. Um, not a lot of freshmen. Uh, one change that did happen um, after we were doing practice reports, so I didn't get to, to report it. And I think this is, for the future, I think this is a fairly significant shift. Uh, Zach Bizinski moved from center to guard. He is listed as the second team guy at left guard. And with him not at center anymore, that moves Jakari Robinson to third string at center. And gives you a situation with with David Niehaus and Garrett Campbell both in their senior year, probably likely that Jakari Robinson redshirts, and you could be looking at a situation where you've got a four-year, potential four-year starter at center uh, waiting in the wings, and I know they have been very pleased with Jakari Robinson uh, in his short time in the program. Could definitely see that. So that was one that, that, that the depth chart confirms it, so it's out, and I can talk about it now a little bit. Uh, I think Bizinski is probably a much better fit at guard than he was at center. He just he had some consistency issues snapping the football, uh, and they dated back to last year uh, when he first got here. Um, I think at you know, 6'3", 295 listed now, I think he's a guy that you're going to need a next wave of guys. Um, to man that offensive line for the future. And if you've got, you know, let's take a quick, you know, by looking at this depth chart, let's take a quick glance at next year on the offensive line. You'd have Trout at left tackle, Bizinski at left guard, Robinson at center, uh, Morgan James at right guard, and then Blake Yeager at right tackle. Um, And I think, you know, if you start working that group together now, I think that could pay off down the road. Yeah, I could see that. You know, you've got Kendall Calhoun that will return uh, next year and Keith Miner that will return next year. So you'll have a returning starter at left guard and, and right tackle. Um, maybe they try Calhoun over on the left side, but I think they would be comfortable with Trout on the left side where you would go three seniors uh, in your offensive line and then you could have a freshman and a, you know maybe a, a junior. Uh, and Morgan James at right guard, um, just kind of spitballing and, you know, looking ahead to the future as we're taking a look at this first depth chart, which I I didn't fully plan to be part of the uh, podcast, but Dave brought it up, and I dug a little bit again and happened to find it. Um, defense, freshman in the two-deep, Curtis Brooks on the two-deep at defensive tackle, along with Norman Oglesby backing up Broughton and Copeland. Um 
Taekwon Statham, as expected, Joel DeBlanco, as expected, and then Sponseller and White. So they're very young at that second-team linebacker group, brother. Very. Oh, yeah. Um, Marquise Smith is the backup to Lyndon Stevens. I really like what I've seen from Marquise throughout camp. Um, I think he has been a very much a bright spot uh, after injuring. I liked him last year at the beginning of camp, and then he hurt his shoulder, and we didn't, you know, he was out for the rest of the year, so we didn't get a chance to really see him. I like his potential. Um, I think that's a name you're going to hear in that secondary for many years going forward. Uh, but that's it for the young guys on the off or the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, really linebacker is the one area that you've got that great concern in terms of if somebody gets dinged up or somebody goes down, you're going to have to put a young guy in there because there just aren't any other options outside of young guys beyond Gilbert, Minor, and Young. No, and that's not necessarily a terrible thing. You'd like to have some, some more experience, but you got a new staff and a new philosophy, so these guys know it just as well as anybody else. So just get them uh, in there, get some playing time, and hopefully we don't have any injuries. Yeah, and making it through this first four-game stretch, I think, is going to be a, a rough one. And if they can come out relatively healthy on the back end of Navy – you know, I think they're in pretty good shape for American Conference play. But three road games, going to Michigan, going to Miami of Ohio, and then going to Navy where they cut block relentlessly. Um, those could be, you know, you just want to make sure that you get that defense out of there healthy because you just don't quite know what – I think you're comfortable with the starters. I think you're comfortable with the, the second string uh, especially at defensive end. I think you hope that you're good at defensive tackle with those second-string guys. I, I think Brooks had a good camp. I think Oglesby had a good camp. Uh, but you never know for sure with young guys until you actually get them on the field. And then from there, there's there's a lot of inexperience and youth behind these starters. So, yeah. Um, normally this is going to be mostly focused on the opponent, but there's just not a whole lot to say on Austin P. Dave. No, nope, I got nothing. And else. if this is seven to six in the third quarter, like we saw last year in the opener, I'll be at your tailgate after the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to wrap it up. I think I know you've got All right. you've got big plans tonight. Oh yeah, you're going to go and uh, meet the Mets. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who's playing for them this year um, at this point, but I think everybody worth the crap is on the DL, or they traded them. So yeah, that's pretty much the deal. All right, well, but they'll still probably win. So <laughs> thanks for tuning in. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Like I said, we've got Austin Gale coming up with a uh, look at Austin P uh, from the numbers side of things. Uh, I've got a couple more articles to get us through into the uh, Thursday kickoff as the Bearcats start the 2017 season, start the Luke Fickle era in Nippert Stadium at night on a Thursday night. So everybody have a good time. Enjoy the game. We will be back next week at the Maize and Blue. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>